So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Man, let me tell you something. I'm a little flat today. I'm uh you listen, you want the good news or the bad news? Um the bad news. All right, so check it. Uh I have some Twizzlers. I have four. Uh they're individually wrapped. So if you hear uh some paper paper opening, it, it's because I'm like I got comfort food. So I have uh, like four Twizzlers. I have a bowl of uh popcorn. I have some spiked cranberry juice. Um, so the bad news is I lost a bunch of files today on my computer. Um, oh, no. Yeah. And when I say, so when you were texting me and you were like, you know, can we remove, you know, can we, can we do this and change time? I was like, yeah, we can do it. And, you know, I'm t- you don't see any of that emotion in the text message. But trust me when I tell you, if I haven't been pulling out my bald head hair, uh, I was pulling out bald head hair today because I hated Jay when when I get a new device and I think that everything is synced over and then I do something to the old one that erases things. Mm-hmm. Yo, when I say yeah. I lost, like this is the second time that I've lost major files. Um, and I want to say I, I didn't lose as many this time as I did last time, but that just goes to show you when your meteor has risen, because the files that I lost this time were far more important than the ones I lost last time. So that's the bad news. The good news is my computer is fast as shit right now. I'm moving. You know, I ain't got no issues. Like I'm on a brand new joint again. And nice. I, yeah. So yeah. You, you passed that health check just like that today. I, I mean, like, listen, I mean, 
So that's the good news. And and I can't really enjoy it because, yeah. So anyway, I'm ready to record. It took me about 30 minutes to kind of bring the energy down and get the energy back up the way that it needs to be. So if you hear the, the paper, it sounds like this. If you hear that, that's because I picked up a Twizzler, um, you know, and, and I'm trying to do the best that I can. How are you? So just one question. Yeah. Are your Twizzlers like the the little ropey cherry ones or are they traditional Twizzlers? No, they're traditional and they, you know, I get the bucket of them joints from, you know, oh, the, yeah. uh, the big, big store. I can't remember which one I go to, but, you know, I grabbed like the bucket. It's like $10 and it's got a whole bunch of them in there. And so, you know, it's like one of my little favorite little passerbys, you know, Lauren. Lauren Epstein always says to me when he sees me, he's like, Torn, why in the world are you eating Twizzlers? They're not good for you. I said, well, we do a whole lot of things that ain't good for us. So, <laughs> Have you met my gin habit? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, man, I'm, a, I'm, I'm working with these Twizzlers. So, so no, not, the, not the, the, the ropey ones. These are just traditional Twizzlers. Yeah. The ropey ones are like my jam. Absolutely. So, yeah. No, I have them good. hiding in the car all the time. All the you, time. You in that car, man. We have Italian food. <laughs> we have Italian food in the vehicle. You got there's a lot going on up in that joint. You know what I'm saying? You you gotta yes. have you gotta have like a secret compartment where you have all of that stuff. You know, oh, I, I, have, like, I have like no for real. I have like three secret compartments in my truck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely have three secret compartments in that joint. And um yeah, so we'll we'll just leave it there. Uh, good thing that some of the family members are not going to be listening to the podcast. So, uh, <laughs> Is there some Chipotle in there? <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll just leave it at that. We'll we'll leave it at that. Um, but how are you? How you feel? Good. I can't believe it's February already, and already? I feel. I think I've said this like every week. I feel like I'm drinking from the fire hose again this week but it's good it's good it's good it's good we um we kicked off our our new employee resource group at my parent company we got all of our 2021 goals like rolled out to all our members and our allies and we had amazing attendance and like my whole it just was probably the most gratifying day at work i've had in a long time and that was awesome so i'm still riding that high um, so I'm coming in with, you know, just happy news and, and good feelings this week. And you have Twizzlers and a few less documents. Hey, yeah, but let me ask you a question about the ERG. So yeah. uh, is it the first one inside of the uh, the, the organization or? or it the- is. Okay. It is. It is. Um, so we are obviously a, a disability organization. Um, about 50% of our workforce is Black. And um, trying to be responsive and and really figure out what our black employees needed during a very very tumultuous summer um our ceo um allowed me and and our vp of hr to start to lead the charge of what a true dni strategy looks like at a nonprofit and we wanted to start by focusing on our black workforce and their needs. So we started a, an ERG to, to kind of s- create a space and, and to create a, a business-driven way for them to get the development and time and attention um, and recognition that they also need. So it's been amazing. I mean, just I, I'm just blown away at yeah. the way that, that 
I'm getting to know a whole new group of people and, and really appreciate their skills and values and learning a hell of a lot about our business. Yeah. Are you the executive sponsor? Um, so I just, I am the everything diversity girl. Um, right. So basically, yeah, but I will be for everyone for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, and the name is is Breathe Equality, which I love. And uh, Shailene um, Brighton Ortiz is is the chairwoman of the um, ERG, and she's doing an amazing job, just incredible job, setting the tone and the tenor and the focus for the group, and it just very very good feeling. Yeah, shout out to Shailene. We love that she's uh, stepped up and you know, said that she wants to contribute more to the organization. I think it's good. I also think it's good because I remember when you uh, crafted the uh, statement after George mm -hmm. Floyd, and we we read through that a couple of times. And the reason I bring that up is because that was almost immediately after George Floyd, within the week. Yep. And now you and the organization are standing up your first ERG. You didn't rush. You took your time and you got there and didn't necessarily feel compelled to have to do the group immediately. And, and I'm not critical of organizations that did set ERG and committees up immediately after. I always just try to remind people, as long as your intentions are good and as an employee, if I feel like you are moving in the right direction, then that right there is what I try to measure people by. I don't I'm not trying to measure you by being first. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's like I, I told our executive team, hey, this is a lifetime's worth of work. And so if you think that we're going to roll out diversity and inclusion at Ability Beyond and then we're going to be done, like you're going to be wrong. And you're going to have to recognize that this is something that we're going to do forever and we're never going to get it perfect, but we're always going to get it better. And as long as that is our our drive, then we're going to be okay. And we're going to forgive each other when we mess up and we're going to figure out how to do it better next time. But we are going to have this focus and it will be for the duration, at least as long as my duration is there. And, and it's it's been really exciting to get that buy-in and that support from our executive team. Not that I didn't expect it, but just very vocal, showing up, being allies, joining the pillars, like really good stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of forgiveness, Google is going to pay for a bit of theirs. Um, they they got to drop 3.8 million to settle claims with the labor department that it underpaid women and unfairly passed over women and Asians for promotions from 2014 to 2017. You know, and, and $3.8 million is really, it's not even lunch money for Google. That's like you know, that's like moped money. You remember mopeds when we were growing up? You know, oh, yeah. those little motor scooters that we can, you could fill that joker up for like a dollar and 20 something cents and you could ride around for days, if you will. I mean, literally, it was less than $2 to fill up your little moped uh, gas tank. That $3.8 million uh, is, is nothing more, more than moped gas money for you know, the infraction that they went went through. And I always wonder, you know, and I don't know if you have insight on this, but this is a true query from, from me, Julie. When the money goes to, like, the labor department, mm -hmm. do the women get the money? Because I've never read anywhere where when these tech companies and other companies are paying these fines, 
that the money is then passed on to those that have been aggrieved. So yes, they can, right? So there's sometimes there's a fine, which is a fine paid to the government. You're a contractor of the federal government. So you're, you're paying your customer for breaking your agreement. And then there's um, restitution, which can include employment, back pay, um, legal fees, pain and suffering. So I, I would say it's more often a fine than it is a restitution, but definitely restitution does happen as well. Interesting. All right, cool. Well, I'm glad to know that, you know, hopefully there is a bit of restitution that will make it to the women. This next brief mention is one, I wanted to hit this from this angle because naturally I have something else that I want to float right behind it. So this story (laughs) says how wealthy hospitals use century-old lien laws to extract huge fees from poor patients. And so you can find that story over in uh, the New York Times. It's called The Upshot. Again, the title of the, the story is How Rich Hospitals Profit from Patients in Car Crashes. Now, I'm not getting into that. I wanted to raise that as an issue because I'm hoping that when you all are reading this story and seeing what hospitals are doing, I want you to also go out and find out what certain uh, cities and communities are experiencing as it relates to the COVID vaccine. I came across a number of stories, um, and one of which highlighted a, a poor area in Washington, D.C. And guess who's getting the COVID vaccines in this poorer zip code of Washington, D.C.? Rich white folks. You got it. And it's not in any way um, something that is not being looked at, and yet they can't do anything to really curtail it because they're afraid if they curtail it, that they will be charged with reverse discrimination and other litigation. And I just want people listening to understand when we are thinking about this vaccine, when we are thinking about things beyond the vaccine and all falling up under the umbrella of healthcare, there are just disparity after disparity after disparity, and we're not making these things up. So Julie and I, we share these stories because you may not be thinking about them in the course of your normal day to day. It's just not. You know, it's not a part of your people analytics equation. It's not the chart, Julie, that that they have up when they are in the the conference room. They just don't talk about that. But you hit it right on the head. And what made you know that? Are you reading the same thing or you just took a wild guess? So I'm definitely reading the same thing. And I also saw an article yesterday about a soul cycle instructor who got the vaccination because she was an educator. Yes. Like some bullshit going around. Yes. In New York. I saw that. I saw oh, that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think, I mean, you know, I'm just, the upshot is a great piece from, from the New York Times. I, I am a regular visitor to that site. But, you know, just kind of reading quickly into this story, too, I think when we're talking about healthcare, vaccines, disparities, all of those things also have to, we need to think as, as taxpayers and and owners in these systems, um, this case in particular in the upshot is a um, 
the the woman was a Medicaid recipient. So my tax dollars was actually in Indiana. My my tax dollars were there to cover her expenses, but instead they bypassed that to go and punish her for needing assistance, right? If she'd had not Medicaid insurance, they would have build her regular insurance. And so that's another way that you keep poor people poor, even when the safety nets are there to protect them. And that's what we do to create a stronger society and make sure that people can stay well and make sure people can get access to the things that they need. But corporations have too many loopholes in ways that they can leverage bilking money out of people who aren't able to pay. Absolutely. And it's not always about pulling yourself up by the bootstrap, right? Exactly. Not always about that. Uh, exactly. Last quick, uh, you know, jab for for Julie and I, and then we'll get into the meat of the show. Apple has made a major commitment, uh, which is in part the reason why I went out and made an investment because I appreciated what they uh, they dropped. And basically, it's the Racial Equity and Justice Initiative, and the acronym is R E J I Reggie. Uh, R-E-J-I. And it says, in brief, our racial equity and justice initiative is a long-term effort to help ensure more positive outcomes for communities of color, particularly for the Black community. We're beginning with a $100 million commitment, and our commitment will endure until there is enduring change. Now, I could have Said a hundred million. It's a little more than moped money. Yep. You know, but still, when you are, I could have been critical. It was that last sentence, Julie, that caught my attention. And now it's incumbent upon us to just hold Apple accountable in the years to come. And it's one of those things where we just need to be conscious and you know, observant of what what is going on in the organization and or how are they exacting this racial equity justice initiative in black and brown and other poor uh, and underserved communities. It That last sentence, endure until there is enduring change. I appreciated that. Yeah. And I mean, Apple's taking a lot of stands right now, right? They're being very, very vocal in ways that we have not seen them before. And, uh, you know, my husband makes fun of me. I'm I'm an Apple devotee. This certainly um, supports my continued devotion. Um, I think it's, you know, the pes- pessimist in me has, has a, a little bit of a different opinion. But for right now, I'm going to err on the side of positivity and, and agree that we need to um, keep our eyes on the ball and keep our eyes on the prize and make sure that they are upholding the standards that they're espousing in the Reggie. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, we'll do a quick commercial break uh, and then we'll get into this week's show. Really quick before Torin and I hop back into the episode, have you heard about the new job fight? The social recruiting innovator is now the end-to-end TA suite leader, helping TA teams attract, engage, hire, onboard, and promote the talent they need to succeed. But built specifically for talent acquisition professionals, 
The Jobvite Talent Acquisition Suite delivers an unmatched depth of capabilities from AI to DNI, recruitment marketing to applicant management, new hire onboarding, employee referrals, internal mobility, all with next-gen analytics to help you prove the value you deliver to your organization. Whatever your recruiting challenge, Jobvite has a solution. Visit jobvite.com slash C-A-T-K today. Again, jobvite.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Now let's get back into the show. All right, let's do it. Welcome back. So I have my feel-good story for the week, as I mentioned. Um, So Rosalind Brewer. Uh, was just named the CEO of Walgreens at a critical moment in the company. Yeah, um, but you know, before you get into that, you know, for those yeah. that don't know who Rosalind Brewer is, she's coming to us from Starbucks. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, a, a hell of a pedigree that that I want to get into. But before we do that, just a notice that she is now one of only five Black Ameri- Americans at the CEO role in a Fortune 500 company, and the only Black woman. Yep. And that's after four years uh, since we've had a, a Black female. Oh my goodness, a Black female CEO at the helm of a Fortune 500 company. Yep. And and to get into that that pedigree, right? Another great call out grad of an HBCU, Spellman. COO of Sam's or CEO of Sam's Club, um, been on the board at Amazon, at Lockheed Martin, COO at Starbucks. Um, and I don't know if you remember, Torn, but a couple of years ago, we talked about when the two black men were arrested at the Starbucks in Philly for waiting inside the store. Do you remember that? How could I forget? Right. Huge deal. Huge reaction. And it was Brewer, who was the head of Starbucks operations at that time, and put the execution of the store shutdowns for diversity trainings across the country into place. And I was critical. I you was, were, as was I. I. Was critical. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. So, I mean, it, and, and that, and that's the fairness in in how we try to cover, you know, these conversations. We try to share a bit of the not not try. We share the fact. We 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 chime in with a bit of opinion, and you know that was one of those things where I was critical because I felt like it sent a signal to the marketplace, not just coffee vendors, not just those that had retail uh, fronts that people could come into. I, I felt like it sent a a signal to the marketplace that unconscious bias training was enough, and and I was just tired of tired of that. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah. Well, and, and my takeaway is just a little bit different is that she, Starbucks, left out the stores that were predominantly in airports and, and those kind of places that were franchised technically, yeah. but were more significantly staffed and led by Black Americans. You sure were. I forgot about that part. Yep. We actually did a little bit of digging around that. I remember now. Wow. What a wow. That was 2018. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing this for a hot minute now together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but she, 2019. 
2019. Uh, she did have a, a couple of quotes in in the story that I really appreciated. And and one I just want to call out is, um, as a black woman, as a mother of a 23-year-old, 23-year-old black male, a girl from Detroit who challenges racism every day because she's never had a choice. And as a human being, it infuriates me to see acts of hate, acts of entitlement, acts of privilege repeating over and over and over again in this country. And I just, I think that was such a, a unique way of saying it, because I think for me, I, I tend to focus on the hate because it's so enraging that sometimes I miss calling out the acts of entitlement and the acts of privilege that bring the racism full circle. Yeah. I want to just kind of go over that last sentence real quick. I'm not trying to uh, highlight this correction, but uh, my pod partner missed a couple of those overs. And <laughs> it's something when you hear all of them, acts of entitlement, acts of entitlement, acts of privilege, repeating over and over and over and over and over again in this country. I just really want you to hear all of the overs because it I, I, I want to say that, you know, when you hear each over, it's almost like it equates to 75 years. It, it's 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 got a significant chunk of example inside of that over. And when you say that joint from the bottom of your, you know, your belly, like like if you're an operatic singer and you bring that from your diaphragm, like over and over and over and over and over again in this country. So appreciated that quote. So while we have been hard on some of the decisions made by Starbucks, I'm excited and supportive for Miss Brewer to really carry forward Walgreens and start to be able to roll out vaccine and, and have a chance to reset them in the market. So we'll see how she does. So, you know, let's just use like 60 seconds. Let's have fun with this. Okay. So like there's a Walgreens and or a CVS on every corner, but we'll just focus on Walgreens since this is about Rosalind and the ship that she's about to take, take the helm up. Okay. So there's a Walgreens on every corner. Like how long do you think it's going to take for cannabis to be legally dispensed from a Walgreens? Oh my God. Well, if I was, if I was praying. Yeah, it would already wait, be. Wait, wait. I said have there. fun. I said have fun. <laughs> <You're praying>. oh. <laughs> so no, I'm I'm begging God for the fun. Okay, <laughs> to come to my Walgreens. All right, so how long is it going to take? A year, um, two years, five? What? On, on the coast, five years. In the middle, ten plus. Got it. And so then, if we go with that, and and I'm willing to do that just for the sake of time and you know this fun discussion. So somewhere between five and 10 years, then it's safe to assume that close to a million black and brown men and some white men will be let out of prison in the next six to 11 years. God, I hope it's faster than that. I I hope that happens first. My gut is that that will happen sooner than full federal legalization. Yeah. And, And again, I ask that because of literally, literally the 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 crime of just carrying like a dime bag uh 
you know, a small amount in your pocket and how many people, poor white men, some white men, black men, brown men, Asian, how many folks are women, how many people are in prison for that? Like literally that, not not brandishing a weapon, not committing some gross felony, not some egregious and aggressive act, simply being on a corner, doing a handoff, now they're in prison. I, I know it's at least a million people that would probably be able to walk through those gates free once we can massage the the understanding that this is legal coast to coast and border to border. So somewhere between yeah. five and 11 years. Ooh, I, I hope it happens in this administration. So I'm, I'm going to root for four years. There we go. All right, we got okay. it. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about racial diversity data in Britain. Uh, you know, we can get across the pond. We may not be on a real world plane, but we can use this digital internets and we can get across that water. So Reuters asked 14 major banks based in Britain to share diversity data for their UK based workforces as of this past December. Okay. In an effort, it was all in an effort, Julie, to map out progress in their pledges because, you know, everyone said we are doing something. So it was an effort to map out the progress in what they said that they are doing to improve ethnic minority representation since the death of George Floyd, I'm sorry, murder of George Floyd and the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, Julie, uh, what do you think they said? Like, like, what do you think they said? I think they said the exact same thing that they say here. We uh, collect it, but we're not sharing it. Uh, yeah, well, you're pretty close. So the <laughs> title of the article, the title of the article, just in case you want to kind of like fact check, the, fact check us, it's on Reuters. It's called Fact Box. Fact Box. Racial diversity data at Britain's top banks. And what they said when they were asked to present their diversity data, let me try to read it. Let me do a dramatic reading. Uh, let me try to do it the way that they wrote it. While several banks said that they were not currently in a position to provide comprehensive diversity data, all lenders said that they were working towards greater transparency or pointed to efforts to improve diversity across their UK workforces. Hold on, hold on. That was your dramatic voice? Because that was like your white guy voice. Well, that is dramatic for me. I mean, <laughs> like, are we doing like the Carlton right now? What the hell? Yeah, that's pretty dramatic. That's pretty dramatic. Come on, you. We're working with popcorn, Twizzlers, oh, shit, white cranberry juice. That's pretty dramatic for me, Julie. Now, let me tell you something. And, and, and here's what really it really it just laugh because I'm like. How is it that you are not in a position to provide comprehensive diversity data? How is it that you are not in position? And so I guess in all seriousness, Julie, why do you think an organization might not be in position? That is a serious question. Why would they not be able to provide you with that employee data from a diversity or through a diversity lens? So two things. The first one, a safe thing. 
going through the list of the banks that they asked, I would say, what, 80% of them were at least have a major presence in the United States, if not headquartered in the United States. So data collection for terms of, of affirmative action or federal contractor compliance is not a new thing. So I think we can start there. Mm-hmm. The second thing, and I, I say this with true sincerity to hope a, a good conversation arrives. The very first thing I looked at when you sent over this article for this week, I went like, what is the racial diversity of the UK? And they really are mostly white. Like, there's only 3% black and maybe like 2% South Asian descent. Like, it really surprised me. I expected the, the numbers to be bigger, I think probably because when I spend my time there, I'm in the city um, where you're going to see more diversity. So I guess that that piece gave me a little bit more like okay, well, it makes a little bit more sense why they're not, haven't been collecting that data, but I think I was, I'm kicking myself for saying that out loud right now. So that, those would be like the two points is one, you should know how to do it because we do it in the United States. Y'all are here for the most part. And and the second is, my counter question be, if you haven't been getting this demographic data, what demographic data have you been counting and why were those more important to you to count than your ethnicity? Absolutely. Data. And see, so you you hit a point that is critical. And I'm willing to understand that. The very same thing here, if we get in certain cities, communities, states, there is less representation of diversity. I get it. It makes it a bit harder to have diversity when you don't have diversity. You have to stretch out. You have to do a bit more in terms of relocating talent. I absolutely get it. And so because of that lower number, perhaps, of representation or just presence, if you will, first thing that I said is, well, you're just not counting it. Like if if I'm trusting what you are saying, then you're just not doing it. I don't want to be critical and say that you're hiding something. I'm taking you face value. You're not asking for it and or you're not counting it. And so I hope that, you know, I hope that exercises like this get people that are in um, HR, uh, the people function. I hope that they get serious around collecting data the way that they were serious around GDPR. And you remember when they dropped GDPR, like the fine was crazy. Mm -hmm. And they were not playing around with that fine. And so for me, it's just, if, if we want to change this narrative, and we do, if we want to shift the narrative, we do, then we're, we have to be far more intentional about challenging what it is and we are not doing inside of our organizations. Yep. It, it's incumbent upon everyone listening to go back to someone in their people success, people engagement, people team and say, 
What is it that we are missing? What are we missing? What are we not asking about? I'm going to be doing a keynote in uh, March. And one of the things that I'm talking about in my keynote is people want to know that they are counted. They want to know that they are seen. And, And I believe that folks in London, as well as every other geography, they just want to know that they are seen. And so my my hope is that you know this is really not a smokescreen, um, you know uh, a, a smokescreen opportunity for the banks to to not be transparent, but that they use this opportunity to say we do have to do a better job of collecting that data out of our HRIS systems. Yeah, so we have a saying at 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 Disability Solutions, what gets measured gets done. Sure. And we don't do things if we can't measure them because yeah. I need to know the work that we're doing is not just a PR activity, right? And so one, just two funny things I noticed in a lot of the the bank statements, which you can read on the article on um, Reuters is a lot of them made a pledge. So they go, you know, hey, we signed a pledge, just yeah. so you know. Yeah. Um, you know, my favorite. And then apparently there was this really big race at work conference in September of 2020 in the UK. And I was shocked at the sheer number of banks that mentioned that specifically in their statement. Like, hey, we just we just went to race at work in September. Like, why are you calling us out right now? This it's December. Like, really, guys? Yeah. It, Come on. And I just thought, oh, my God, we're going for the PR. And then I just woke up and realized that there were uh, different races around me. Come on. Yeah, no. Listen, none of this comes as a surprise. You know, in in, in all of these organizations, well-heeled organizations, some of the biggest names in financial services, you pointed out well, Julie, that a lot of them uh, have headquarters here in the U.S., so they absolutely can do better. Uh, we'll make sure we put the link up. You know, that story came from Reuters. Great story, great read. Um, and it takes us to our, you know, where we are right now. Yes, we are a few days into Black History Month. Julie, I want you to click on the link that's in the note. Uh, don't read it out loud because I don't want anyone. Don't even say the name. Just just click on the link. Um, the first one. Yep. Yep. That one right there. Just click on that one. I just want you to see see what happened. Um, so. Now you'll understand why I'm, I'm I'm about to say this. So, you know, listen, we're in Black History Month. And while I want. Um, while I want to see organizations do something to support Black History Month here in the U.S., if you are in Europe, since we just mentioned Europe, this is LGBTQ month in Europe. Um, I believe this, this is the uh, Asian or the Chinese New Year. Um, also in this month, there's a couple of, of holidays, but the bigger call outs, Black History Month, I shouldn't say that because I don't want to, I don't want people to feel like one celebration is more important than the other. The one that we more readily recognize would be Black History Month if you're in the US or um, LGBTQ Month over in Europe. Don't be a performative organization. That That's just what I'm getting to. Yeah, we got Here's one question. Yeah. Can I retweet that? Um, 
Let me just say this to you, Ree. Uh, I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, like, there's Listen, that one, but then I don't savage. want Savage. Do you understand how savage oh, yeah. that is? It's mad, yeah. Savage. And yeah. now, I'm, I'm just going to say this to you. You can tweet it at your own risk. I'm not retweeting it because I don't want it in my, my uh, feed. But man, let me tell you, when I saw that joint at three o'clock in the morning, I screenshot, sent the link to myself, couldn't wait to send it to you, um, sent it to my sisters, savage. And, and that's really what I'm getting to. You know, like you stand there and you want to pontificate around the importance of and the support around Black History Month. And yes, I, 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 I guess you really do support Black History Month, but you needed to support Breonna Taylor. And you didn't. And you didn't. And you didn't. So because you didn't, this particular individual called you out in a way that was like, yo, savage. Just savage. But but in a way that we can retweet, you can hit Joy Prices uh, if you click on his link. And basically what he said was, we don't really need a whole nut. We don't need, you know, a, 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 another chorus of memes. We, we need you to take some action. Uh, and that's really what I'm getting to. While we are celebrating this month, while we are looking at and perhaps exploring panel discussions and lunch and learns, let's do something that is more substantive. Let's continue to move the importance of inclusion and representation. Let's continue to amplify the contribution of black and brown people beyond the 28 days in February. So so that's the reason why I bring that up. Cool? Love it. Love awesome. it, love it. I don't have a name drop, but you do. Uh, yeah, so I'm just going to name drop out to Amy Warren, who leads the marketing team at JobSync. And a big thank you for including Torn and I in our roundtable discussion this week and for facilitating a, a really fun and amazing conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love your closing remarks and, and shout out Amy, because we really are planning to have a great conversation. Uh, we're looking forward to it. You, you've given us free reign uh, to kind of go there and trust we are planning to go there. Uh, give us that closing remark. Actually, I'm gonna let you close the show. That's beautiful. I love that. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So when you're a black woman, you get mistaken a lot. You get mistaken as someone who could actually not have that top job from Roz Brewer, CEO of Walgreens. Find your voice, be a better human. Let's create better culture, teams, and workplaces. For now, Jay and I are ghosts. See ya. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said, Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom, but do you have more? 
Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and, and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube. 